Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. My apologies for the delay in the podcast coming down. A lot of things. Life gets in the way. We lost power the other day. Had to call the electrician as I was about to do the podcast. So, listen, a lot of things happening when you're juggling twins and jobs and a wife and just life getting in the way. It's going to happen. So, I do apologize for that. But we were able to carve out a little time today to do the podcast. And, and just recapping last night, there's just so many different directions to go into. Let me start where I was last night, Madison Square Garden, for the Rangers beating the Flyers one to nothing. But I wanted to start with Philadelphia. Philadelphia is off to a really nice start in what everybody thought, clearly thought was going to be a rebuild. Now, it's still very early, but 5-2-2 two and two have the uh, first wild card, plus two goal differential. They've been good at home, good on the road. Uh, they've lost a couple of games in a row in overtime. It's actually the fourth consecutive game in which Philadelphia has allowed the first goal although be it the first goal last night didn't come until there was 53 seconds left in overtime when Kreider cashes in on the breakaway. They're banged up. There's no Cam Atkinson. There's no Couturier. They're clearly in a rebuild. But the one big difference we're seeing early, and this could really be a nice indicator of where Philadelphia is going, because they hired John Tortorella as their head coach. So this rebuild is not going to be long. They're going to start to try to win games pretty soon, if not this year. If they especially if they can feed off the start that they have, but what it's all about is the goaltending, and it has been a question mark with this franchise forever. And we've waited for Carter Hart to become a star. It's the reason Ron Hextall's not here anymore because he wanted to hold him back in the minor leagues, and they wanted to call him up. And a couple of general managers later, a couple of coaches later, here's Carter Hart still here, and he's playing unbelievable. And and I've I've called a lot of his games, I've watched a lot of his games, and I didn't call the game last night, but I was there doing the pre and post, and I I see a different Carter Hart. I, I see a guy that's aggressive coming out of the crease. I see a confidence about him. There was about two or three occasions where I said, that's a goal he would have let up last year. And that game never would have went to overtime. They never would have earned a point. And that's a good point on the road for Philly. You know, a Ranger team coming off a road trip and won a couple of games in a row. I think you're happy if you're Philly, you got a point. And you got a point because of Carter Hart. And it's not that often that we have said Philadelphia's had anything good because of their goaltending. You know, and now you're, you're post-Voracek, you're post-Sheroux, you know, your post Gosta spare. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that were good for this team for a long time that are now gone. And if they can build around what is very, very good goaltending, at least what has been early on this season, is a pretty good indicator that this might be a force to be reckoned with. And then you look at the Metropolitan Division, and again, it's very, very early. Devils have played 10 games. Carolina's played nine. Um, so not a ton of games played. Islanders played their 10th game last night. Philly's only played nine games. So there's, a lot of teams haven't even gotten to double digits yet. And the teams that have, barely have. But if if New Jersey is legit, and if Philadelphia is legit, then you begin to wonder what teams in the Metro are not going to make it. 
And I feared Washington at the beginning of the year. You guys heard me when I did my season preview. I didn't think Washington was going to the playoffs. You look, Pittsburgh had a miserable Western Canadian swing. They come back last night, and we'll get into it, blowing a 5-2 lead to Boston. Could this be the year that both Pittsburgh and Washington are out? Now, right now they're out, but again, we're barely into November. But Pittsburgh's only got 10 points in 10 games. Washington's got 12 points in 11 games. But the Islanders have now found their groove, right? I mean, the Islanders have won four straight games. They're scoring a ton of goals. Who thought they would have scored six goals against Carolina? I think they scored 11 goals in a two-game span last week. So if the Islanders are better, New Jersey better, look at the way they're playing. They're scoring goals. They're flying. Every indication I get from people around the league, not from New Jersey, but people that have played against New Jersey, watch New Jersey, this team can flat out fly in a league that really benefits speed. When you can fly, you're going to score points. You score points in this league, you're going to win games. And their goaltending has been better than I think advertised. And you know Graves is really emerging as, as, a, as a really good offensive defenseman for this team. Bratt's coming into his own. Hughes is coming into his own. Heashear is coming into his own. If New Jersey's legit, Philly a playoff team. The Islanders back to being a playoff team after missing last year. Who's out? And then you look at the Eastern Conference, too. You know, Buffalo's off to a very good start at 6-3-0. You know, so you, you, you look at teams like Washington, perennial playoff team, Florida, Pittsburgh, Toronto, off to slow starts. I mean, th- not all those teams are going to miss the playoffs. It's ridiculous to think so. But a couple of them might miss. And we'll see if these teams that are off to hot starts are able to sustain. You know, go back to last year. Remember San Jose got off to the hot start, and I even got fooled. I said, I think this is sustainable. It wasn't. It's a long season. Long season. I mean, 70-plus games to be played, a lot of ebbs and flows, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of injuries that are going to happen. They're going to change everything. But you've got an indicator going in that some of these metropolitan teams, even in the Atlantic Division, what's Ottawa going to be? You know, will Detroit be better? And and we're still not sure about those teams right now, but it is going to be one heck of a race down the stretch. That's what's undeniable. For all the pundits out there, oh, everybody makes the playoffs in the NHL. Bull, this is not a 21-team league where 16 teams make it anymore. 16 teams in a 32-team league. They've expanded by 11 and haven't changed the format. So there's going to be some pretty good teams that are going to stumble. And you look at Pittsburgh. They got out hot. You know, Malkin and Crosby, take a look at their stats. They've combined for 10 goals, but they went out west, a dud, and then what the heck happened last night? Comfortably ahead, 5-2, to two, and then after scoring four goals unanswered in the second period. But then that Marchand goal in the second made it 5-3. They won the third period, outshot them, win the game in overtime, on the goal from Lindholm, his third, and what should have been an easy two points for Pittsburgh becomes one. And now Boston, another one of those teams where I had him in the playoffs, but I didn't have him flirting winning the division. You know, you're talking about Florida, you're talking about Tampa, and Boston, they changed coaches, you know, and, and but they brought the band back together with Bergeron coming back when it looked like he was going to be done. 
you know, Hall's giving you a lot. Coyle's been very good for them so far this year. They're going to get McAvoy back at some point, and they've won nine of their first ten games. So it's been a very, very interesting ride so far in the Eastern Conference, and, and what a wild game last night. Mentioned the Devils, how hot they are. They just blow by Vancouver. Now, Vancouver's one of the worst teams in the NHL, but still, you start a Western swing, and you go out there and you score, what, the first four goals of the game, very un-New Jersey-like, but, you know, the Devils have won seven of their first ten games, so they look like they're legit. Islanders, as I said, won four in a row. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Golden Knights, a team that I didn't know if was going to make the playoffs. The Golden Knights are Boston West to me. Like I didn't know what they were going to be, but off to a tremendous start winning nine of their first 11 games, plus 16 goal differential, which I think is the best in the league uh, outside of Boston's plus 19. So Vegas off to a tremendous start. Eichel scored again last night. He's been good as Washington squanders a lead there, lose at home in overtime. They do earn a point, but still a tough one. How about the Kraken last night? You know, they're in Calgary. The Flames are one of the best teams in the NHL. But the Flames had only played seven games going into last night, and it was a small sample size. They had won five uh, of the first seven games. But uh, Seattle getting the goaltending, but they're also getting some some nice goals. They're not out of games. They fought back last night down 4-2. Sprong scored. Uh, Gord scored to tie the game. Uh, uh, that was a, a pretty, pretty nice comeback from them. Uh, as uh, they get the game-winning goal and they win 5-4, to four, scoring three goals in Calgary in the third period. Pretty good stuff there. Coyotes win their first game at Mullet Arena, 3-1 over the Panthers. What's going on with the Panthers? They got 42 shots on goal, um, so sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the goaltender. Vimelka was tremendous in the game as he made uh, went out there and made the 42 saves necessary for the win. So three games at Mullet Arena for the Coyotes, and they've got a win, a loss, and an overtime loss. They opened it up on Friday with the overtime loss to the Jets. Rangers beat them on a, a third-period goal by Zabanajad 3-2 on Sunday in a game that I got a chance to call, and I'll get into Mullet Arena in just a bit. And then, of course, the game last night against Florida. So uh, a nice win for them. Wild game between the Sharks and the Ducks. The Nation got to see that on ESPN last night. Uh, won in the shootout by the Ducks. Uh, by the final score of six to five, so some pretty interesting games. Again, the dry sidle McDavid show, uh, uh, Kane with a hat trick for the Oilers as they put up a touchdown, beat the Predators seven to four. I, I wanted to bring this up. I don't think I talked about it on the podcast before, but you saw she, uh, San Jose and Nashville go out to the Czech Republic to start the season, and neither team has been able to gain traction since they got back. As a matter of fact, when you look at Nashville. 
Nashville right now, they've got a record of 3-6-1. Two of their three wins came against San Jose in Europe. So they've won once since they came back. San Jose has been a train wreck. Now, they've won three games, including a game at the Garden in overtime, but they're 3-8-1. and one. So I'm all for trying to expand the league and the horizons and playing out in Europe, and you're going to see you know, games being played in Finland pretty soon. You know, the, the Blue Jackets are going to be going out there. Um, but what does it do to a team, especially early in the season when your training camp gets reduced and your schedule's all off? And, you know, it wasn't like Nashville and San Jose could really afford to punt the first month of the season. You knew that they were going to be in for a battle just to be able to make the playoffs, especially San Jose. You wonder if they were kind of put by uh, behind the eight ball by the league getting a chance to get uh, that exposure. So uh, not the best of situations, clearly, for either of those two teams. But, you know, Dry Settle and McDavid combined for nine points. I've talked about it so much before, but it's just pretty incredible. Pretty incredible what Drysaddle and McDavid have been able to do. As good a combination we've seen since Kane and Taves, and probably better. We'll see if they can get the hardware those guys got. But, you know, you got those two guys in a fantasy league. You just pray they don't get hurt because there's no way you're going to lose. And I mentioned Blue Jackets going out to Finland. The Avalanche will go out there with them. And the Avalanche kind of off to a slow start, too. Cup hangover maybe at 4-4-1. So maybe the last thing they need to do is go out to Europe. Just a couple of games tonight. Flyers in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs struggling at 4-4-2. I'm sure it's Panicville up there in Toronto. Pittsburgh just trying to get back on the horse. Blow a huge lead last night. They'll be in Buffalo take on the Sabres. Two really good games tonight. On the docket, only two, uh, but both are, are, are very, very good games. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to you guys at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, um, since we haven't had a chance to really talk too much via social media on the podcast. So let's dive right in. Steve Brzezinski, friend of the show. Will the first matchup between the Rangers-Devils be a trap game or a test to see where the boys are at? I'm not going to mention who it was, but on the road trip, I had somebody ask me, are the, are the Devils better than the Rangers? Like, it's a legit question by somebody that's in the business. So I don't know if it's any trap game. I mean, it looks like a trap game. Devils haven't done anything in a decade. And the Rangers just came off uh, going six games with Tampa in the conference final. But right now, again, it's, it's, it's incredibly early, but the Devils are playing the type of hockey right now and always seem to come up with an effort against the Rangers, certainly did last year. Um, where I wouldn't consider it a trap game. I think it would be a great test. It's still going to be a measuring stick for the Devils just because of the recent history. But uh, that Devil team is off to an amazing, amazing start. It wasn't like they got off to a start. I think they dropped two of their first three games, and so they've been really incredible since then. Drew Lally says, can anyone stop the Bruins? Again, it's early, and I'm still not in love with their goaltending. But right now, they just seem to be flying and should only get better. So, yeah, somebody will probably stop them, but they're off to just absolutely incredible start. Donnell Weaver says, hey, Don, hope you are feeling uh, better. Did you know that reverse retro jerseys 2.0 were unveiled two weeks ago? What are your favorite uh, retro uh, jerseys, and what was your least 
reverse retro jersey if you have seen them. I, I, I took a gander at them. I, I love Colorado, going back to the old, you know, the the flag of Colorado, and and I um. You know, there's a couple of them. I'm not in love with the fishermen jerseys with the Islanders. Uh, the Devils, it was kind of cool using the Colorado colors. I'm just not in love with the Liberty jersey with the Rangers. So off the top of my head, I'd have to, like, look at all of them. Some of them look pretty nice, but overall, I think a few of them have not yeah, have left a little bit to be desired. Looked like the Leafs punted. Didn't look like they did anything at all. Canadians are, you know, okay, not great. Um, nothing that I felt like I would have to go out there and buy. Um, Ron Pizza says, can you pull back the curtain and explain why MSG would not let the TV crew travel with the Devils to Western Canada? Could they just be cheap? As a play-by-play guy, do you prefer to travel with the team? Of course I prefer to travel. I've been in heaven this year getting back to traveling after doing two years off the monitor. The only road games I've done over the last couple of years during COVID were games in New Jersey and Long Island. Uh, This year, it was great to go to Minnesota, go to Winnipeg, go to Arizona, go to Dallas. I'll be going to Nashville uh, in a couple of weeks. No, you'd much, much rather be there. I don't want to get in anybody's pocket, but I would think at this point, the only restrictions that we've had are the games at Mullet Arena because of the fact that they don't want the extra TV trucks there. There just isn't the space. So MSG didn't go to Dallas and Arizona because they didn't they couldn't broadcast from Mullet Arena. So that to me is really the only excuse of not going is if you can't do the TV in Arizona. So that trip wasn't made. Otherwise, the Rangers are going to make every trip uh, there is on the docket uh, from a television standpoint. Why the Devils didn't go to Western Canada, it would just be a guess. I have not heard any information. I work in MSG, so but nobody told me anything because I don't work for the Devils. But I would think at this particular juncture, any trip outside of Arizona that isn't televised doesn't have anything to do with COVID and has everything to do with just the expense. I think, I think what a lot of teams realized during COVID was that you can broadcast remotely. It's not ideal. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But put yourself in these television network shoes, all right? It's all about ratings. It's about generating revenue. And you get a game on a Tuesday that starts at 10 o'clock, all right? Even though the Devils are off to a great start, really, what can you expect your audience to be in the middle of the week, you know, for a 10 o'clock start? And then Thursday, they're going to be in Calgary for a 9 o'clock start. So you start doing the numbers. Well, how many viewers are we going to have for this road trip? Is it worth sending out announcers? Is it worth the hotel rooms and all that goes with that? You know, opening up, um, opening up the offices to do all that stuff. I mean, it really what you found out was there might be a more inexpensive way. And I want to use the word cheap because that's insulting. A more inexpensive way of doing it. And I'm sure a lot of franchises, especially franchises that don't generate a tremendous amount of revenue. If you got a chance to save a few bucks, you save a few bucks. Now, would they do that if this was late in the year and the Devils were hot and they're getting great ratings and they're battling for first place? They might say, you know, the audience might be worth it to send a, send a crew out there to Western Canada. But November, going up against the World Series, having to make that decision when you know the Devils might not be that great of a team, I can understand the apprehension of networks to say, you know, maybe we could save ourselves a few bucks here. Adam says, I've learned the hard way to never get hopes up about the Devils, and we still have 72 games to go. But so far, I haven't felt this good about the team in a long time. 
Also love to see Jesper Bratt take lessons from Aaron Judge in betting on yourself. Yeah, he's going to get yourself a pretty decent contract for sure. I don't know how real it is for the Devils. Again, their speed has been amazing. I don't know if the goaltending is going to hold up. We'll see if the blue line does. But I mentioned this before, and it's high praise, all right? And I don't want anybody throwing it back to me. But this team looks a lot like the Avalanche did five, six years ago. Where you had young players, but it just seemed like they were all running around. They didn't know what to do. They all had to kind of grow into their bodies, literally, because they were kids. And this is when they had, like, Landeskog and no one else. And then you get Ranted in, and then you get McCarr and McKinnon. And they all of a sudden, these young players start to grow, get better as a team. Bednar puts them together. Sackick puts it together. And then the next thing you know, even without incredible goaltending, they go out there and win a Stanley Cup. Now, I'm not saying the Devils are going to do that. But it does look eerily similar. We're a lot of young players that are coming into their own. Heashier's coming into his own. Hughes is coming into his own. Bratt's coming into his own. Graves was a tremendous acquisition for this team a couple of years ago. Uh, Mercer is becoming a player. So you should be excited about what this team is doing. Um, Michael says, your thoughts on Mullet Arena and, our, uh, and the Bruins. Well, we talked about the Bruins. So I, I knew this was going to get asked, so I saved it. I, I was at Mullet Arena on Sunday. And I've got a bunch of thoughts on it. First of all, incredible job that the league has done, the architects of the building have done. Gary Green is involved, the the, uh, former Washington Capitals uh, head coach, also worked a lot on Westwood One, doing doing color on radio. Great guy. Got a chance to talk to him on Sunday. The NHL has put a lot of effort into making this work for what could very well be the next four years. The arena is in the campus of Arizona State University. So I'm walking from the hotel to, to the arena, and I pass Sun Devil Stadium, where the, where the Arizona Cardinals used to play, an amazing facility. Then you see an arena. I'm like, oh, this must be Bonnet Arena. No, 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 this is the basketball arena. Then you just see this building that doesn't even look like anything. Oh, that's Mullet Arena. And you go inside, and it's quaint. It's, it's, a, it's a college arena. It holds 5,000 people. The one, it's like a horseshoe. It's perfectly in the round, but you have actual seats as like a horseshoe. And then the end of it is where the bleachers are. That's the college section. Those are the 500 tickets that they hold off for the fans, for the camp, for the, for the students to be able to go to the game. The other 4,500 are for sale for fans. And I got to tell you, there were a ton of Ranger fans there. So it's loud, it's quaint. I was right on top of the action, although I did have cameras in my face. If you look at my social media, you'll see the picture from where Dave and I had to call the game. So I was kind of bobbing and weaving around cameras, but whatever, it worked. And the atmosphere was tremendous and was fun. A lot more fun than it would be if it was at the hours, it was at the place over in Glendale and maybe you had 10,000 people in a building that holds 20,000 and there's no atmosphere and it's kind of just a dud. So from that standpoint, it was terrific. It was a lot of fun. Everybody was very helpful. I mean, the the, the dressing rooms are weird. It kind it kind that kind of looks like the uh, where they put the kid the the nerds in Revenge of the Nerds. It's like very strange where you dress or whatever. But the players were all cool with it. The ice apparently everybody raved about the ice, and the ice was very good, which is 
eight-tenths of the battle, right? I mean, you want to make sure that when you play that the ice is good, and the ice is very good, especially in a warm-weather city. So from that standpoint, the game is not affected at all, and the atmosphere is cool, and it's fun. Depth perception-wise, it's probably strange for the players because you're used to playing in a cavernous building, and and here you are with 5,000 people on top of you. The roof is so low, you almost feel like you can touch it. It's got a little tiny miniature jumbotron in the middle. It just It's a very strange, surreal experience that I liked. I liked it. It was a, an odd, unique way of calling a game, being at a game. And everybody was very accommodating and nice, very apologetic. Sorry for this. Sorry for that. The annex is going to open in a couple of years we're so sorry, or, or in a couple of months. Everybody didn't have to apologize. Listen, we're getting paid to do this, and we love doing it. So believe me, it, it Everything was small, like you go into the press room. Is small. Everything's, everything's miniaturized, right, because of the, the situation. But it, it's not even an inconvenience, and nobody needed to apologize for it. Here's my problem. I didn't get to see what the attendance was for last night's game against Florida. And they had a great atmosphere Friday against Winnipeg because it was the first game of all arena. It's a game against the Rangers, it's a Sunday afternoon, 5 o'clock start, so Sunday, like a late late afternoon start. There were not 5,000 people in that building. I would say there's probably 4,500 people, and 2,000 of them were Ranger fans. So we, we keep circling back to the same old problem. Are there enough fans to support this team? The league has done everything humanly possible propping them up financially, finding different places for them to play. It has really been a miracle, and the NHL should be applauded for the 25 years of work they put into keeping a team in Arizona. But at the end of the day, do you have the fan support? Now, the team's not very good. I get it. And the team has not gone to the conference final in 10 years. I'm not even sure they made the playoffs since then. I don't think they have. So the the product has not been good. But we're asking you to fill a 5,000-seat building, and the Rangers are in town. If the Rangers weren't in town, and that had been the Columbus Blue Jackets, no offense to them and their fans, they don't travel nearly as well as an original six team, you can't afford to have 3,000 people in a building that holds 5,000. Because then you're just going to circle back to, are the ticket prices too high? I don't know. They, they've got to get revenue somehow, because this, this has got to be a financial nightmare for everybody, because how are you supposed to generate income selling 5,000 tickets? But do they have the support to stay there, especially when you have a city like Houston that's dying for a franchise? I'm sure that you wouldn't have to change divisions if they moved. You just wonder, the NHL is hoping that the atmosphere and the uniqueness will, will carry the day and they'll get the new building and they'll put it in a place where it's convenient for the fans. Tempe is not convenient for the fans of Phoenix. Glendale was not convenient for the fans of Phoenix. It's one thing to go out there for a football game once every every couple of weeks. To go there three, four times a week, it's another story. But can they sustain? Do they have the fan base to sustain? That, that will be the question. Scott D. says, this new schedule sucks. What is this, the 80s? MLB is following the NHL's lead by killing rivalries again. Could not agree more, especially in a year where the Rangers and Islanders are playing three times. The Flames and the Oilers are playing three times. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Now, I understand with the addition of Seattle, you had to take games away to play Seattle twice. And for some teams to have to play Seattle three times. 
So what the league has decided to do is take a game away in the division. Last year for the Rangers, because that's off the top of my head because those are the games I do, they played one less game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Believe me, no one cared. But the Rangers have one game in Belmont, one. They play the Islanders three times. The, the Battle of Alberta goes from four to three. And yet you still play like you still play the other division three times. So it's so let me get this straight. The Calgary Flames will play the Edmonton Oilers three times. And they'll play the Predators three times? So I haven't played the Predators twice. Why are you taking division games out of it? Especially what should be untouchable. If you want to take divisional games, okay. But you don't touch Rangers Islanders. You don't touch Flames. And, and and the uh, the Oilers, you 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 don't touch the uh, the the Red Wings and the Bruins, okay? You you don't do that. I mean, there's certain ones you don't do, like in baseball. Even if you don't have the rotation of the East versus the East, the Yankees and the Mets still play each other because they want to try to maintain that rivalry. Baseball is going to do it too now with everybody having to play each other. It's going to come to the expense of games within your division. But you're talking about at least you play 19 times. You only play four times in your division. I only play three. So the fans of Long Island are only going to see the Islanders come to their building once. So the Calgary Flames are going to go on the island the same amount of times as the Rangers? Does that make any sense? Now, I do think it's a good idea for every team to go to every arena. I think that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl should play in every arena. I think Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin should play in every arena. But not at the expense of rivalries, man. Scott, you could not be more dead on. Brain dead is the best way to put it. Isles Mets Jets fan says, what should I expect from the Islanders this season? Well, if they're going to score goals, you should expect the playoff team. But having seen them live, they will have a problem scoring goals. They need more from Barzell. He got the contract now. It's got to be more consistent. But I got to tell you, it's all going to ride on Sorokin. I, I, think he, I think he's got an excellent chance to win the Vezina Trophy. This team will go as far as their goaltending will get them. They are a terrific team that is going to be bereft of scoring for most of the year this week, um, notwithstanding. Um, but I think the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. And again, you know, if I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins, if I'm the Washington Capitals, I'm nervous because I've got some major competition to make the playoffs. If the Devils are going to play this way, if the Islanders are going to play this way, it, 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 those those were non-playoffs teams last year that can jump right into the fray. And then you look at the wild card. Well, is Buffalo going to be a wild card? You know, what's Detroit going to do? You know, so it's going to be very, very interesting in both conferences, but especially these. It was fun to catch up. Uh, We will do this again on Friday. I've got no travel, no issues, so I'll be able to give you a podcast on Friday, and hopefully we'll get back into a routine. We'll be able to give you the top five of the week, and then hopefully we'll get EJ on Monday, and we'll get things going again. So I'm still kind of out of whack from being in Dallas and Arizona over the weekend, a lot of travel sometimes. I, I warned you at the beginning of the year, that there might be a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde to the schedule for game misconduct. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this one, and we'll be back with you again on Friday. You want to get in touch with me, best way to do that always is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We will speak again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.